University of Virginia Health System, we're for sharing the latest health information from top minds to keep you and your family healthy. With UVA Health System Radio, here's Melanie Cole. Vivo Lung Perfusion is a leading-edge technique designed to make lungs more suitable for transplant, making it possible for more patients to receive a a life-saving lung transplant. My guest today is Dr. Mark Roser. He's a congenital heart and transplant surgeon at UVA Health System. Welcome to the show, Dr. Roser. Briefly explain a little bit about what EVLP is to the listeners. So EVLP was designed, it came out of a lot of basic science research, and it kind of hit its head in the 90s and early 2000s was possible. <clears throat> the problem is there's a shortage of lung donors out there, especially quality lung donors. So whenever a patient is a donor, they're, they're declared brain dead. And whenever that happens to your body, it releases a lot of chemicals, and those chemicals can cause swelling in certain areas. Um, and one of those areas is the lungs. So as they're kind of laying there in bed, they're unable to cough because they're brain dead, and their lungs slowly kind of don't do as well. So it's harder to get lungs from donors than it is other organs, such as livers or kidneys. Um, so what EVLP does, it lets us take those lungs out of donors that may be questionable, may not be the perfect lung to put into somebody, and it puts us in kind of a way station, which is the circuit with the ventilator, and they perfuse, and lets us see are these actually going to be good lungs for somebody, or are they in fact not good lungs for somebody. Instead of taking the risk of putting them into a, a living patient <clears throat> and then seeing what the results are, it gives us a way station in order to see if these would be adequate lungs uh, for donation. Is there any controversial issue with this type of procedure? Do the families of the donors question what you're doing to get these lungs at that time? So all the donors are all, or everybody's informed that these will be ex vivo lungs. So they'll, they sign off. And whenever we call them in, we say we're going to give you an ex vivo lung or not. And if they refuse, even though they've they have written consent. If they refuse on that call-in, we don't penalize them at all. We say that's not a problem, and we they will go to the next person on the list, and that person won't lose their spot in line or anything like that. It's not allocated that way. Um, it's allocated kind of for the best person for that set of lungs and who's the sickest. And these lungs don't necessarily come from high-risk donors. So some people are very sick, and they say, "I'll take, I'll take you know donor lungs from a high-risk donor." See, maybe. We have somebody who has some needle marks. Well, we test for HIV, we test for hepatitis C, but those tests aren't 100% accurate. So if you're a healthy person, you may turn down those lungs. If you're a sick person or you're a person who, who doesn't really care about those risks, you'll say, yes, I'll take those high-risk lungs. Ex vivo doesn't really fall into the infection category. It falls into donors where the lungs weren't doing very well. Once we take them out and we put them on the ex vivo circuit, we will not use those lungs if they don't meet the standard criteria that we would use for the lungs that came straight from a donor. So even though we take lungs that are subpar, we make sure they're going to be adequate um, before we actually use them. If they're not adequate, then we don't use them. And what it does is it helps mitigate the risk that we would rather try to avoid. Uh, so how has this subpar. changed the world of lungs transplantation? So it's going to open up the donor pool quite a bit. So at our center, we actually have a National Health Institute grant where we're actually going to give chemicals to modify these lungs. So the great thing about the ex vivo circuit is it has no blood or blood products in it. So we're not exposing these lungs to any additional antibodies or blood-borne infections. We're just taking them out of a donor where they're in a bunch of cytokines and a bunch of chemicals that are making them sicker, and we're taking them out of that situation, putting them 
on a ventilator and a circuit that kind of separates this fluid. And what that fluid does, it's a special solution called steam. It helps to take all the free water out of these lungs and kind of dry them out. And it gets us a better idea of how these lungs are going to work. And I think the future of it is going to be we're going to be manipulating these lungs to actually make them healthier before we put them into somebody. And I think that's going to really explode lung transplantation. Can it reverse some previous lung injury that you might find in some of these higher-risk donors? Exactly. It's exactly what it, it'll help do. So initially, it was just designed to see if they were good lungs. We found out that the circuit will actually help. So if you have pulmonary edema or any extra fluid in your lung, this circuit will, have to, will actually help to get that out. Let's say there's a lot of snot or mucus and stuff. I can actually go in there and suck all that snot and stuff out and really get a good feel for how the lung is going to perform whenever I put into a, a, a human. Wouldn't that be amazing if you could do that inside a human body when and, and get reverse some of those injuries? I, I, I just wonder, do you see that that's something that might be coming in the future, that we might be able to do something like this for working lungs? So our lab is actually working on that. We have some pigs, and we're injecting the pigs with uh, an this compound that makes their lungs get sick, kind of like if you had a very bad pneumonia and you got sepsis, this compound kind of does that. And what we're trying to do is seeing if we can reverse those outside the pig's body. If those experiments work, then we're going to go and start doing them inside while the pig will open up the pig and we'll actually put cannulas in the pig, put them on bypass, and then isolate the lung and see if it can work that way. And if we can show it on an animal model, then my hope is in the future we can use small catheters and wires in your growing. And let's say you had a loved one or yourself is very sick, we could actually go in and, and help the lungs out while they're in your own body. It, wow, it, wouldn't be that... for, it wouldn't be for a person who needs a lung transplant, but it maybe prevent somebody who's very sick from needing additional procedures. And it might help to rehab their lungs faster than it would otherwise. That's amazing, Dr. Roser. Now, tell us about the risks for the surgery for the recipient. Is there, are they, you know, you said if they're a real, you know, end stage kind of situation, they're not going to be as worried about what you're giving them as long as you're giving them something. But besides rejection, are there other risks people are concerned about? So they've actually did a national trial here. It was written up the New England Journal of Medicine and got FDA approval and went to what causes to get approval. There's no, of uh, the trial there was equivalent outcomes between someone who had lungs that were placed on this machine and then given to them and lungs that were just given to them. So our data shows there's no change at all in the risk of this lung. And, and the good thing is if we put, if you take these lungs that may not be the greatest lungs and you put them on the circuit and they look great, then you feel confident to put them into somebody. If they don't look great, then you just throw them away or you do research on them. And all you really lose with that is money in time, but you aren't affecting any humans or their quality of life, um, which is really why us surgeons are very happy and excited about it. Lung transplantation, per se, may not extend your life. Um, the average life expectancy after a lung transplant is only 5.4 years. What we're really trying to do is give people very good quality of lives for the remaining of time they have left. And if you give them a lung that's not very good, that quality of life is not going to improve. Um, so, we want to, so we're very risk at first. We only take very good lungs to give to people. And what this will do is increase the donor pool of very good lungs to give to people. Well, that's what's so amazing is the donor pool seems to be one of the hardest parts for any kind of transplant. So tell us a little bit about UVA and your team there at UVA Health System. So our, our team consists of uh, two pulmonologists and three surgeons. We also have um, 
four nurse practitioners, and then we also have a very uh, predominant lab that does a lot of research. And what we're doing is using our research in the lab and, and helping to translate that over into our clinical activities. Uh, one of our researchers in adenosine compounds, and what these compounds do, they help kind of reverse injury in the tissue. Um, so our, our grant is to put this compound inside the recipients and inside the lungs and see if that will help reverse any damage due to the fact that they're in a brain-dead donor, to the fact that you're taking an organ out of somebody and putting them in somebody else. And the lab we've shown this is very helpful, and now we're ready to move into clinical trials on it. Wow, what an amazing job that you have. We applaud all the great work that you are doing, Dr. Roser. Thank you so much for being with us today. You're listening to UVA Health Systems Radio. And for more information, you can go to uvahealth.com. That's uvahealth.com. This is Melanie Cole. Thanks so much for listening.